Well, as you can see, it was truly an awesome week, and I just want to thank all the parents and families again just for entrusting your kids to us this week. The most important thing that we taught this week, of course, was that each kid can be reconciled to God. They can have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. That's the most important thing to us here at this church. We've got a lot of great uh, children's ministries, and so if you're looking for a church, maybe a place to plug in. We have a Awana for students. We have Sunday school on Sunday mornings. We've got all kinds of things that we do, but Spark Camp is kind of a highlight of our summer. And so thanks again for letting your kids come. And as you heard, the theme this week was run. Each day was something about running. And so if you've got your app today and you want to follow along with the notes, we're going to talk about the reluctant prophet Jonah and his running away from God. And this morning, you might just take a minute to think about where you're at in your life. Just do a little self-evaluation and ask that question to yourself. Am I running to God or am I running away from God? With Jonah, of course, you've probably heard the story. He was a prophet who at first ran away from God, but was persuaded by God that he needed to run to him. I want to tell you a story though first before we get into the book of Jonah. If you do have your Old Testament, your Bibles, you can turn your Old Testament to the book of Jonah. We're gonna read the whole chapter one here in just a minute. First, I want to tell you a little story about a run, a run that I saw happen one day uh, right after I was married. Amy and I have been married 25 years this month, but when we were first married, in our first year of marriage, uh, my grandmother had just passed away and she had left an inheritance for me and I really needed a vehicle. So I went, uh, I went out to uh, the dealership and I bought a brand new Dodge uh, pickup truck. This was in 1997. It was an extended cab Dodge truck and it was, it was really awesome. It was black, it was beautiful and I had that truck. And um, so uh, we lived in a little mobile home and there was a mobile home park around us. And the little kid next door that lived next door to us was a little guy named Shane. And Shane just happened to be pretty rotten most of the time in the neighborhood. He had a little bit of a um, reputation that was already following him. He was about five years old. And I remember it was early one morning and I was going off to college at SBU. And I was in my truck, just polished it up. It was real nice. And uh, hardly had any miles on it. And I was driving down our little road. And Shane lived right down from us. And he was standing out by the road like this with his hands behind his back. And I thought, I wonder what he's doing. And, um, you know, he's just got that smile on his face and, you know, just kind of hanging out, waiting for me to drive by. So I just waved at Shane and out from behind his back came a huge walnut in his hand. And Shane threw that walnut right at the side of my truck. Boom. Well, I was only 22 years old. Against my better judgment now, I slammed that thing into park and I took off through the mobile home park after Shane, running as fast as I could. Now listen, if you notice, my title is Pastor of Families and Children, okay? This was over 20 years ago. Less sanctified. So I'm chasing Shane through the mobile home park and he's running towards his back door. And just as Shane was going in the back door of his house, and he was screaming the whole time because he knew I was running after him. I reached through the door and grabbed his arm and he slammed the door in my arm and his mom was in vacuuming. And you know, it was one of those moments where I didn't think, what does this look like? Shane's yelling and screaming. I'm yelling and screaming about my new truck. And his mom starts yelling and screaming, what happened? Well, I explained the situation 
And I watched as mom poured out wrath on little Shane. (laughs) Delightfully, I want to say. (laughs) Jonah was much like me in this situation. He didn't like the Assyrians, the Ninevites. Nineveh was the capital city of Assyria during this time. And he wanted to see God's wrath poured out on the Assyrian people. But he doesn't get his wish And here's why. And this is our big thought for today. If you go home with anything, I hope it's this. God desires for his gospel to travel to the ends of the earth. He uses flawed men and women to carry this message to everyone who will repent and believe in Jesus. It's a central message of the church. That's why we exist. That's our whole mission is that every tribe, tongue, nation, and people need to hear this message that Every person can be reconciled to God through a relationship with Jesus Christ. If you would please stand and we're going to read Jonah chapter 1 this morning. Jonah chapter 1. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Get up, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because their wickedness has confronted me. However, Jonah got up to flee to Tarshish from the Lord's presence. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. He paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the Lord's presence. Then the Lord hurled a violent wind on the sea. And such a violent storm arose on the sea that the ship threatened to break apart. The sailors were afraid and each cried out to his God. They threw the ship's cargo into the sea to lighten the load. Meanwhile, Jonah had gone down to the lowest part of the vessel and had stretched out and fallen into a deep sleep. The captain approached him and said, what are you doing? Sound asleep, get up, call to your God. Maybe this God will consider us and we won't perish. Come on, the sailors said to each other, let us cast lots, then we'll know who is to blame for this trouble we're in. So they cast lots and they singled out Jonah. Then they said to him, tell us who is to blame for this trouble we're in. What is your business and where are you from? What is your country and what people are you from? And he answered them, I'm a Hebrew. I worship Yahweh, the God of the heavens, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were even more afraid and said to him, what is this you've done? The men knew he was fleeing from the Lord's presence because he had told them. So they said to him, what should we do to you to calm the sea that's against us? For the sea was getting worse and worse. He answered them, Pick me up and throw me into the sea so it may quiet down for you. For I know that I'm to blame for this violent storm that is against you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to get back to dry land. But they couldn't because the sea was raging against them more and more. So they called out to the Lord, Please, Yahweh, don't let us perish because of this man's life. And don't charge us with innocent blood. For you, Yahweh, have done just as you pleased. Then they picked up Jonah and threw him into the sea and the sea stopped its raging. The men feared the Lord even more, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. Now the Lord had appointed a huge fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the fish three days and three nights. Father, we thank you for this this biblical story that reminds us, God, of your desire, even for people like the Ninevites, to be saved. We know, Lord, that you have called us in the church to deliver this message to every person, every tribe, tongue, nation, and people.
We're no better than anyone else. Uh, Each person needs Jesus. And we thank you for this story of Jonah, the reluctant prophet, who God, you gave a second chance to. We love you. We pray that you would just speak to our hearts today in Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead and be seated, please. A call to love the unlovable, verses one and two. You know, a divine assignment isn't always what we expect. For most of us, the path of least resistance is the path that we want to take in life. We don't like friction. We all tend to want things to be easy. We want to work less and get paid more. We want to enjoy, relax, kick back, and follow God on our own terms. But sometimes, sometimes God calls us to something really hard, something maybe out of our comfort zones, difficult, and it requires for us to take a leap of faith. This was the story of Jonah. Sometimes a divine assignment isn't what we expect, and instead, what Dietrich Bonhoeffer said was true, that when Christ calls a man, he bids him to come and die. He wants everything from your divine assignment. For Jonah, this call to go to Nineveh would be the most difficult thing that he had ever done as a prophet, mentally, spiritually, and perhaps even physically. Now, let me take those three things apart and explain why. Mentally, because Jonah's people during this time period in history were under the thumb of the Assyrian nation. Jonah's people, the Israelites, were paying tribute to the kings of Nineveh, and it was a harsh tribute to pay, a heavy tax. The Ninevites taxed the Hebrews, intimidated the Hebrews, and they were politically the enemies of God. So when God said, arise, Jonah, go to Nineveh, his natural reaction was like, no, I think I'm going to go this direction. I don't like these people. Number two, it would be hard spiritually as well. If anyone didn't deserve the grace of God, in Jonah's mind, it would definitely be those cruel, rotten Assyrians. The atrocities committed against neighboring nations by the Assyrians were really over the top. They were legendary for their cruelty. When they conquered a nation, they would pick up every stone, every brick, every piece of house from that conquered nation, and they would go out and bury it. That way, if that nation was ever released or got out of their exile, they would have nothing to go back to. Sometimes the Assyrians would even encamp around a city and not conquer the city, but instead just let everybody inside starve. Jonah knew these stories. How could he take the gospel to them? How could he take the grace of God to them? These were people who were evil people. In fact, one of the kings is famous for having said, cities before me, ruins behind me. That's how the Assyrians thought. Why? would God just not blot them off the face of the earth? This would have been Jonah's thinking and probably some of our thinking as well. And number three, physically, it would have been tough for Jonah to commit to going and preaching to the Assyrians of Nineveh because it could have meant his public execution. They were famous for impaling their victims on poles. Now listen, I could go into the cruelty of the Assyrians, but we have children in the room. Just Google it and you'll see how bad these people were. So why would we go and evangelize a people like that? Why why would God call Jonah to do something that really just seemed out of the ordinary, out of the normal? These people don't deserve grace. They don't deserve the kindness of God. All they deserve is wrath. When anyone here in this room, though, shares Jesus with you, 
This is the truth of what, God, of, of what God's people believe is this, that no one in the room is better than anyone else, that all people are sinners. The Bible tells us, for all have sinned. That means all. Everybody say all. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You hear that? All of us. So here's the truth of it. As one evangelist once said, anytime somebody shares Jesus with you, it's just one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. Jonah had forgotten that he didn't deserve God's kindness either. But rather than obey God right away, Jonah disobeyed the call of God. Jonah's run from God, had it succeeded, would have been legendary. In fact, I've got a picture here of a map, um, and this will show you exactly what happened. So Jonah went down to Joppa to get on a boat, and he was supposed to go over here to Nineveh. That area is called the Fertile Crescent that goes up to Nineveh. Again, like I said, Nineveh was the capital city of Assyria. But instead of going to Nineveh, he gets on a boat and he heads to Tarshish. Now, what's interesting about this at this time period is that Tarshish was in modern-day Spain. Okay? Now, this is a few thousand years before Columbus. Do you get where I'm going here? That's the end of the known earth. When God called him to go to Assyria, Jonah went as far away from that call as he could physically get his body to go. That's where he was headed, as far away from God's presence as he thought he could get. He wanted to go to Tarshish, 2,500 miles away. Jonah was so desperate to get away from God that the Hebrew scriptures actually tell us he bought the boat. Now, I thought that it said that he paid the fare of the boat. Well, in Hebrew, it says that he paid the fare of her. And you're like, he paid the fare of her. Well, in in Hebrew language, the word for boat is feminine. And what it means is that Jonah most likely actually bought the boat. He wants to go to the ends of the earth, as far as he knows, to Spain, right, to Tarshish. And he's willing to actually buy the boat to get away from this assignment that God wants him to do. He paid for the boat. It refers to the whole ship. And according to medieval rabbinic interpretations of scripture, Jonah just happened to be a rich prophet. He was desperate to get away from God. Now, we're not much different than Jonah, are we? And this is the self-evaluation part as we look at this text. What have you been willing to do in your life to avoid obeying the call of God on your life. Are you running right now? Some of you in this room may be running from God's call in your life to do full-time mission work. Some of you may be running from God's call to be a pastor in a church. Some of you uh, maybe just need to share Jesus with a neighbor or a loved one. And some of you just need to give your life over to Jesus today. You've been running. You know the truth of the gospel. You feel that tug in your heart. You know you're a moral mess and you know you need a solution for that. And today, stop running. Surrender to God's call on your life. We're not much different really than Jonah. Some of you in this room are like Jonah at this point in the story. You're on the run. You haven't surrendered to him. And you know that Jesus died for your sins. 
He's called you to repent and trust him totally, but you still haven't surrendered. I thought it was a great picture this morning as Pastor Gary just baptized two new believers, right? What happened there? Well, we've got people who realize this, that apart from Jesus, they can't be forgiven. They cannot ascend up to God. They cannot be morally good enough to be okay with God. And so they need a solution. And the solution to that problem is Christ who came and did everything we couldn't do and took our punishment on the cross and gave us his righteousness because of his goodness. So that when we stand before God, when we believe and trust in Jesus, we no longer look like that sinful person, but instead we have the righteousness of Christ that we come before God with. It's a big exchange. So the cross is here, I'm here as a sinner. My sin goes to him, his righteousness is gifted to me when I believe and follow Jesus. Some of you need to surrender to that today. God pursues us in our disobedience, we see in verses four through 16. Romans chapter five, verses six through eight says this, while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Now, I want you to hear that. Christ died for the ungodly. It's a myth to think in your mind, well, I've got to get cleaned up first. I've got to do things right. I've got to kind of get my situation straightened out. I've got to start making good decisions and then I can come to God. That's not at all what God wanted for the Assyrians, right? He didn't send the prophet there to just say, hey, straighten up everything that you're doing and then you can be saved. Instead, while they were still sinners, while they were still a mess, right? The, the grace of God comes to them through the preaching of the prophet. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Christ wants you just the way you are. All those things you may be struggling with, he can change and he will change in you over time. But you come to him with nothing in your hands. God's desire is for us to be saved. Ezekiel chapter 33 verse 11 says this. And this is, this is really what the prophet Jonah forgot. Ezekiel chapter 33 says, As I live, tell them this, God says. This is the declaration of the Lord God. I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather that the wicked person should turn from his way and live. Repent, repent of your evil ways. Turn toward God, who's the solution, who is the cure. God's desire was for the wicked Assyrians. It's the same desire he had for Jonah, and that's to quit running from God and start running to God. Now, here's what's really cool in this story. Again, I told you about the evil of the Assyrian people is when they heard the preaching of Jonah, something happened that he never thought was going to happen. God did something exceedingly and abundantly beyond what he ever asked or imagined. Here's what happened. Jonah chapter three tells us this. The word reached the king of Nineveh and he arose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth and sat in ashes. And he issued a proclamation and published through Nineveh this. By the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way 
and from the violence that is in his hands. And who knows? God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them and he did not do it. You see, when they turn to Jesus, right? When we turn to Jesus, the solution for our sin problem, right? The wrath of God goes to the cross. We don't want to get the wrath of God on ourselves, right? And so the solution to that is to turn to Christ who took that in our place. And that whole fish thing, the the fish swallowing Jonah, the fish coming to swallow Jonah, that wasn't God's judgment. That was actually God's salvation. Chapter two makes it abundantly clear that as Jonah was getting ready to drown, God sent the fish to actually save him. Chapter two is a prayer of thanksgiving from the belly of the whale for God saving him. Many have tried to argue, of course, that this story is impossible. How could this have happened? A whale swallowing a guy for three days and three nights, really? And why? Well, the text doesn't say that it was a whale. It says that God appointed a fish to swallow Jonah. Maybe it was one that the Lord had created for this express purpose, to preserve Jonah's life as he persuaded him that his call on his life was the good thing, the right thing. Now, why the fish? Why not some other way? Well, even with the fish, this was God's way of thinking about the people who needed to hear the message. All the way from Phoenicia which was right on the coast of the Mediterranean Sea, all the way up on the Fertile Crescent. This is an area that has the Euphrates River and the Tigris River. They call it the Fertile Crescent. The area is still referred to today as the Mesopotamian area. There was Babylon and there was Assyria. And from Phoenicia all the way up, the people worshiped a fish god called Dagon. Dagon was worshiped in this area. And here's here's what Dagon looked like. I think this is pretty interesting. That's from a relief. Now, archaeologists have found these pictures all over from Phoenicia, all the way up even into Assyria. They worship the fish god. So now imagine this. God's going to send you a message, right? And he sends you a message from a Hebrew prophet. And this prophet comes and he has a specific message for all the people to hear. How did he get there? Well, he just happened to be barfed up from a big fish on the Mediterranean coast, right? I think the people are gonna listen. Now, some have even said, well, you know, three days and three nights in the belly of a fish, probably all the bile and all the stomach juices, he may have been bleached out so white, you would have definitely listened to this guy. So here he is. Who did the people need to hear from? They needed to hear from the one true God who did a miracle, and he didn't worship Dagon, but instead, God owned Dagon. Sounds like a recipe for revival. And that is exactly what happened. And although the prophet Jonah had a long career as a prophet in Israel, this is really the only story that we know about him. Jonah's life consisted of two phases in the book, running away from God's plan and then running by God's grace to the plan for his life. When we run toward God's plan for our life, He does things that we could never expect. He does things exceedingly and abundantly, like I said, beyond what we could ever ask or imagine. Jonah never thought those people were gonna get right with God, and that's exactly what they did. 
And the Assyrians, they were no different than Jonah. Their lives consisted of two phases in this book, one of rebellion and one of revival. History tells us that this was Jonah's last assignment as a prophet. He died in Assyria. The Assyrians, many of the Assyrians repented. They turned from the wickedness that they had in their hearts and they pursued the living God, just like the guys on the boat with Jonah had. And archaeologists tell us, and I think this is very interesting. Archaeologists tell us that they found the tomb of Jonah. It's called Nebi Yunus, means the prophet Jonah. And here's what's interesting. The Assyrians and the Jews were enemies. They hated each other. The Assyrians hated the Hebrews. And yet, to this day, they've uncovered a huge tomb in Nineveh that is dedicated to the Hebrew prophet Jonah. People who say this is a mythical story or it's a made-up legend have no idea that these things still exist to this day. You can go to Assyria and you can see the prophet Jonah's tomb. A Hebrew prophet in a foreign land and those people heard the message and they believed. The story is real and it shouldn't surprise us. The same story is all around us happening today. Everyone in this room is, wanting, is running one of two directions, either away from God or toward God. Christians in the room, if you're running from God, you're gonna get spanked. God's gonna get a hold of you one way or another. Repent before you end up in the belly of a fish. Pre-Christians in the room, that means you haven't believed yet, but you know God's tugging on your heart. The picture of what happened in Assyria can be your story. You may think that you're too wicked, you've done too many things wrong for Jesus to forgive you. There is way too much, but Jesus says, come to me. The Assyrians didn't have to get cleaned up before they came to God. They came to him a mess, but they turned to the truth. This morning, God wants you just the way you are. He will be the one who transforms you. The Bible tells us he'll give you his spirit. And he told us this, that his grace is sufficient for us. Grace is the undeserved merit of God. None of us deserve God's grace, but he gives it to us. God uses flawed people in the church to proclaim his message because his desire is that all might know his grace and mercy. And to end this morning, here's been our verse all week. And it's been about running. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight in sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, for for the joy who was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. I'm gonna ask you to stand and we're gonna pray together. A little shorter message today, but this is our custom each week. We give people a chance to respond. You know, maybe you've been running from the Lord and um, today you need to submit to his call on your life. Maybe it's something specific for you or maybe maybe you've never been born again. You've never given your life to Christ. Maybe, maybe today was just for you to hear how much Jesus loves you, that he endured the cross to take your sin upon himself and you need to give your life to him. We're gonna have prayer counselors down here in the front. Whatever you need is you come forward this morning or maybe 
you know somebody who's running from God that needs prayer. And this altar is going to be open and you can come and you can pray uh, right now.